0: I appreciate that. That really almost is the answer to the title of my message tonight, and that is a Christian response to our changing world. Um, we're going through First Thessalonians right now. However, I did not—I got in about two or three in the morning on Tuesday morning. I, I did not study yesterday. I Didn't quite have enough time in one day to do expository. So. Uh, but this has been on my heart, uh, really. Uh, probably since Ukraine and everything kicked up there about a, this changing world we're living in and a, and a Christian response to it. So today I sat down and worked on this message. And we'll get back to First Thessalonians chapter four. We're right at. We're getting right down there in verse thirteen, getting into the rapture um, there. so we'll we'll get back to that on on Sunday then and, and next Wednesday night, and then Acts this Sunday morning. And I do appreciate all the men who filled in for me while I was gone. I was able to catch most of the services. I think I, I missed two. I know the first Sunday morning I did not catch. And then the last Wednesday night, I tried to catch it. I was, I was in bed ready to go. I had, my, had a tablet up for to uh, live stream it. And then I woke up like five hours later. <laughs> and, uh, so Jerry put me to sleep before he ever got to speaking or anything like that. <laughs> But I do appreciate the the man who filled in for me. Thank you very much. All right, 2 Timothy chapter 3. I'm using this as a springboard here this evening. I did run into uh, Pastor Strange when I was in Florida. It was good to see him. He was supposed to be preaching a revival, if you remember. I did get to see his, his wife as well. And uh, so it was good to fellowship with him for a little bit. And the Lord's timing is amazing. One of the services I went to, went to Winkler Road Baptist, on the first Wednesday I was there. It used to be a supporting church of mine when I was in New Guinea. And there was a missionary in Alaska preaching that night. Um, Brother Bach, he's down in, he's, he's between Juneau and Ketchikan. I can't think of the, the little, where's it at? Craig, is it Craig? Hyder, yes, Hyder. And I really enjoyed his presentation. He's doing something else, doing a lot of actually, outreach into Canada in different villages like that. The timing was amazing because, interesting enough, he has to go to New Guinea. Uh, he's getting, going to New Guinea because a plane was given to him. I know the plane that was given to him. And... Uh, and so I was able to help him with information he needed for his travel up to New Guinea because he's getting ready to help take this plane apart and get it in a shipping container and get it to Alaska. But it was Jim Bloom, uh, airplane there in New Guinea. Now, I never, I, I've never met him. We just know of each other. He, he spent many, many years in New Guinea, I think, I think close to 50 years or something like that, in p g And he was a pilot and started churches, and so his planes being given to him... And he's bringing it back to Alaska. So anyhow, it was. It was. I did invite him to our missions conference this year. He wasn't sure if he can make it has another trip at that time. But if he can make it, he's going to be here. But I, I did enjoy getting to meet with him. They have 15 children, 15 kids he has. They had eight of them with him, I think, on this trip that they're on right now. And uh, so pray for his wife. Second Timothy chapter three verse one. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying uh, the power thereof from such turn away. Let's go ahead and pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we certainly do love you. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy and your grace. Lord, we certainly thank you most for the salvation that you have provided. And Lord, now we ask your blessing upon our church service this evening. Lord, I pray that you'd be glorified and honored in all that is said and done. Please, Lord, control what I say and how I say it. Help me to stay true to your word. May it be a help. May it strengthen us. May it encourage us. Lord, do whatever needs to be done in our heart to draw us closer to you. I pray that your spirit would have that liberty and would work tonight and and that this time would not be in vain. So please work, Lord. And Lord, if there's anyone here who does not truly know Christ as Savior, Lord, we certainly do pray for their repentance and faith uh, this evening that they would come to know Christ. Lord, I love you. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. We certainly do live in interesting times. Second in Timothy chapter 3 are here, of course, describing the last days. We are in the last days. Technically, we've been in the last days really since the time of Christ, but much, much more so now. We have witnessed a, a great, great changes in the entire world, not just our own country. I mean, really, I, I grew up as a teenager in the 1980s. I graduated high school in 88. The world is so different from the 1980s right now. It really is amazing how much it's changed. the 1980s, I remember, though, we had thought, really, how could it get much worse in the 1980s? I mean, we had the Cold War taking place, which many, I believe, was a precursor setting up for the Great Tribulation with the nuclear holocaust that was going to happen. The threat of nuclear war was very real during the Cold War. We had abortion that had become legal there in the late, early 70s, and we had the sexual. we had the results taking place of the sexual revolution, uh, we had the rise of wealth, uh, the, the computers uh, were becoming common, just starting to become commonplace at that time. And if you remember, by the way, back then, what, what what many did in our nation was turn to politics for the answer. The rise of the moral majority. The rise of the moral majority, that was going to be the answer to the problem. Look where we are now. It wasn't the answer to the problem, was it? Politics is never the answer to the problem. <clears throat> But as we look at our world now, especially the last couple years, I'd say the last 10, 15 years, but even so much so in the last few years here, so much has changed. Our own nation has been pulling much farther and farther away from God. Our nation has continued to embrace its, the secularism, the humanistic turn that it has made. I mean, you can think, think about this. If you actually believe in creation and you deny evolution you are not going to get a job at any major university in the United States of America. That's shocking. <clears throat> As people in our nation and across the world, Europe, especially uh, along with our country, have turned from God, uh, obviously that, that removed a basis for morality. If you're going to choose to ignore God, live an atheistic style, a practical atheist, or, a, a, or just embrace atheism in general... Um, morality then becomes subjective. It becomes upon the, the, the culture to determine morality. And I've talked about that many times. I'm not going to go into that here this evening. But as we know, the human heart is desperately wicked. And that has become a recipe for disaster. The devil's using it to a great extent. Once he got the basis of morality out, that there wasn't, it was just up to each person, every man to do what is right in his own eyes, which is where we're at right now. That, that throughout all of human history, that has destroyed cu- cultures. We look what's taking place now. Homosexuality, it just, it's not that it's just present. It's literally a social norm. There's no shame attached to it. We thought that was bad as it gets, but we were wrong. We now have the notion that you can pick your own Gender. People actually believe that. that, that, that they actually true, Think about that. They actually believe it. That they can have a male body, yet be a female. They believe it. And understand, they believe that as much as you believe the word of God. They believe it so much in our culture that they allow men into women's sports. Because they say they're a woman. It's mind-boggling. Listen, the word transgender, there's no such thing as a transgender. That doesn't exist. It's just a social construct. That's all it is. But people actually believe it. And listen, if you're involved in that, listening, whether maybe you're live streaming tonight, you're in that, please, I beg you to listen to me. You are simply being lied to. It will lead to confusion, it will lead to guilt, it will lead to being used by people. The reason you feel guilt and shame isn't because I take a stand against it, it's because you're standing against how the Creator created you. The fact is, man left to himself to decide morality will always lead to destruction. And we're seeing that happen. Think of what we've seen happen... Shortly prior to COVID, and entering COVID, how this spirit of hatred has been so strong. I mean, growing up, I, I, um, we, we can see now more than ever, uh, the hatred between races all of a sudden. As it just seems to be a, a continued form of propaganda about it from media outlets and media outlets just, just fueling and fueling hatred. The, the hatred experience, it's crossing over into all areas. There's hatred now whether you got a vaccine or you didn't get a vaccine. I mean, it's just everywhere. It's just no longer, you can no longer have a, a different uh, um, philosophical point of view without hatred being attached. We have, of course, wars and rumors of war. We now have ground war in Europe. <clears throat> We're, we're seeing that you can go online and literally watch the war in Ukraine on a daily basis. Seeing the destruction, watching missiles slam into apartment buildings. I mean, literally, and it, it was a surprise, even they're building up troops, I never imagined an all-out invasion by Russia on that nation. I figure just, just taking those... uh, what would have been the eastern parts of the country that were pro-Russia. But an all-out invasion all of a sudden takes place. So, we're seeing a lot in the world we live in. So how does a Christian approach the current circumstances, the current world that we are in? The truth is, even within churches, we're seeing... a, a, a. Different responses. We're we're seeing fear still. We're seeing a measure of despair as if there's little hope or no hope. We're seeing frustration. Listen, understand this right now, especially to our younger people. It's not an accident that any of us are alive right now. It's not an accident. The Lord has us here for such a time as this. It's not an accident. The fact is, in one way, it's amazing to be alive at this time, to witness all that is taking place. And keep in mind, there has never been a time on the earth since the fall of man that there's been a great time to be alive. That's going to happen during the millennial kingdom. the fact is, we have a, a tremendous responsibility how, re, how we respond as Christians. Those of who claim to follow God, to love God, discern, we have a responsibility in how we respond. So I'm going to try and give some help in, in our response. I'm going to give five different things here. I could have went on and on with this, but I'm going to cover some generalities in five different areas. First of all, let me just lay this one as a foundation. You need to know this. All that's happening, don't forget this, don't take this, all that's happening is according to God's plan. What's happening right now is supposed to happen. This also, this know also, that in the last days, perilous times shall come, comma, except for America. Oh wait, that's not there, is it? I forgot that. That's not there. Look at that. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. That was was getting prominent in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, wasn't it? Covetous. Boasters. Now, we don't have a problem with pride right now, do we? No, there's no problem with pride in our cultures. Proud. Blasphemers. Disobedient to parents. I mean, as we read through this We understand this is exactly what is expected to take place before the Lord's return. We're literally seeing prophecy fulfilled before our eyes. God is not up in heaven fretting, thinking, oh no, it's getting so bad. He's not. What's taking place is, I have a... I have a sermon on this based on Romans 1. I would look it up online and listen to it if you haven't heard it. God is simply turning man over to himself. He's giving them up, as he said it, three times in Romans chapter 1 based on the sexual revolutions that have taken place. He gives them up basically. He gives the list in Romans 1. He basically just gives man up to his own heart. Fine. You want to see what your heart will do? If I remove my restraining force and allow you really to follow that desperately wicked heart, let's see what happens. And so he gives them up unto it. Their vile affections, etc. And what is also taking place, remember when we went through the book of Revelation... We dove into great detail of what's going to take place. Literally, every word of what Revelation gave us, I went into of what the Great Tribulation is going to be like. And we have a just God. And right now, I think of a verse like Romans 2.5. It's reserving wrath for what is to come. Don't let yourself or the devil confuse you that you lack some understanding as to why all this is happening. This is what scripture said would take place in the last days. We are seeing prophecy unfold before us almost like anything in the last 2,000 years. I mean, think about this. Israel is once again a nation. Incredible. Incredible. We've seen the gospel spread throughout the entire world. We have. We have seen the times change here, especially recently, to match exactly what the Bible would say would be taking place before the Lord's return. So we have to know this. What's taking place is according to God's plan. It's not out of His will. He knows what He's doing. Secondly now, we need to respond in faith to what we are seeing. Look at Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. This, of course, is Noah's day. God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, that every imagination of the thought of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord. They had made man on the earth, and it grieved man at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man from whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, and the creeping thing, and the fowls of the earth, for repenting that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And it talks about how Noah had walked with God. How the Verse 11, the earth was corrupt, filled with violence, on and on. Noah lived in a day of great wickedness. Even worse than the day that we're living in right now. Our day could not compare to Noah's day. How did Noah respond? What did he do? In light of all that was taking place in his day... Look at Hebrews chapter 11 with me real quick. Hebrews chapter 11. Topical, we're going to jump around the Bible much more. And we're primarily stay in that one area. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 7. Here's how I he responded. By faith. That's how he responded. By faith. By faith, Noah being warned of God of things not seen as yet. Moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house. Noah responded by faith. And you can just, you can just you, again, you can just think what Noah was going through. The guy had never seen a drop of rain. He's building this boat nowhere near a this enormous structure. How many here have actually been to the recreation of there in, in, in Kentucky? Incredible. Our youth... Are, by the way, where's Daniel at? They're out there. We do need to get... I need to talk to you after service about that. We need to get, have some meetings about that, get moving on that. Um, our youth will be going there this August. When you stand there, you realize the enormity of this thing. I remember I marked it out for him when I was in New Guinea once, in the villages. I, I brought, I brought the, 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 the church out to the road, and I had two people standing how far apart, how big the ark would have been. But here's this guy building this ark. Why? Faith! He responded to the current real condition based upon God's word of belief and obedience by faith. Noah's faith resulted in action. Faith is not a feeling. It's like we wait for this magical feeling to hit before we exercise faith. That day will never come. And if it comes, it's just because you had some sugar that morning. You'll have a sugar crash later on and all of a sudden your faith is gone. Faith results in action. You can think in Mark I think it's chapter 2, I don't know. Mark moves very fast. When they let the man down through the roof there uh, to be healed, what did Jesus say? When he saw their faith. Faith is seeing. That's what James 2 does before men. Others actually need to see your faith. They need to see somehow, uh, uh, to use uh, as as a typology here, an ark that you're building in the day we live in. Evidence of faith. Where is your art? Listen, the world should see our faith right now in God. If we're showing fear and uncertainty, what's going to happen? Think of the hindrance we're being in the lives of others. In this time of chaos, we are the ones who should be showing stability. It's us. We have an anchor for our soul, do we not? The strength of that is based in your faith. Don't be tossed about. Let the world see you respond in faith as to what's taking place. We have faith in knowing that God is in control. So let others see that stability, that soundness that you have in this time of chaos. One, we have to know this is according to God's plan. There's nothing here shocking the Lord. Nothing. We respond in faith is what we do. Trusting in the Lord. Thirdly, this will be a tough one right here, but I do hope by the time I finish this simple point, you have an understanding of why it's important. Joy. Philippians chapter 4. I have preached through the book of Philippians or referred to it a lot. It's one of my favorite books in the entire Bible. So before we read this, somebody tell me, where's Paul at when he wrote this? He's in prison. He's in a Roman prison. This Roman prison is nothing like Palmer Correctional Facility. Nothing. He's in the ground. He has a human being chained to him 24-7. It's nasty, it's filthy, it smells. There's no fresh air. There's nothing like that. He doesn't get gym time to go pump iron. There's no library to run to. He's in a a horrible, rotten, nasty prison facing possible execution. He's not executed in that imprisonment, but he doesn't know that yet. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Here's what he says. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again, I say rejoice. But wait, Paul had such a great government. Caesar loved God. No, Caesar thought he was God. And here's this man, given as a command, not as a suggestion, to rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. So, one of our responses in this difficult time that we do live in is joy. It's not rejoicing in the world's condition. That does bring concern, that does bring pause, that does bring a soberness. It's not the rejoicing in that by any means. Our rejoicing is in the Lord. You think of Job in 23.10, where he's able to, even in the midst of such horrible circumstances, to find an, an element of hope leading to joy. Because why? He knew when he came through with this, once he was tried, he come forth as gold. He knew how God could use it. That in itself led to a sense of joy, of knowing how God can use it. rejoicing because of our confidence in God and God being in control that we're His. We have this confidence in His control, His sovereignty, knowing that He will work all things for His good and for His glory. Knowing that He is good, that He is gracious, and we trust Him. By the way, this is not something... It's awfully hard to fake joy. You can get away with it a little bit. This is not something you work up. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Therefore, it's not something you have to muster. I've got to work this up. No, it's fruit of the Spirit. If, if you would truly rely on a walk with the Spirit of God, that fruit will be produced. It's rejoicing in the Lord, not in our circumstances. The Lord God changeth not. I know what my future holds, whether it's 1882 right now or 2022. I know what my future is regardless of that. It's rejoicing in the Lord. It's not rejoicing in our nation, it's not rejoicing in the world's circumstances, it's rejoicing in the Lord. There might be many times in life we're overwhelmed with sadness. That will still come. We can be filled at times with regret, remorse. But boy, as as those who know the Lord, we can rejoice as we think on the Lord and know He is there. Let me give you some things here we can rejoice, even in the midst of difficult circumstances. We're not going to turn there for time's sake here. But Joel 2.25, the Lord can restore the years the locusts have eaten away. That gives a sense of joy. Isaiah 61.1, he can bind up the brokenhearted. He can make evil, something that's evil, he can turn it into something amazing and great and good. Life of Joseph. All of this, I could go on and on, that gives hope, and, 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 and when, when there's hope in something, that's what leads to joy. You try and remove hope, and you open the door for despair to come in. There is no room for joy. But I can rejoice, knowing I am the Lord. Fourthly, just two more here. Look at Second. Let's go back to Second Timothy. Second Timothy, chapter three. He's telling Timothy, "Listen, this is what's going to take place." He continues on and on. Persecutions, afflictions are referring to his own life, that he's already went through a lot of this. Evil men and seducers, 13, shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Now here's what he tells them. He finished with this thought now, from 1 through 13, 14 hits, but continue thou. That's what you do, you continue. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and has been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And he goes on to the word of God from that point. Continue. He says, listen, even though all this is going to take place, what you do is you keep going. You keep going. You keep serving. You stay faithful. You trust God's word. You rejoice in the Lord. You have some stability. You have the anchor that's there. You're walking by faith, not by sight of this world. You're walking because of the unseen world. We know that one day, with all the chaos in this world, there's going to be a millennial reign that could likely be right around the corner. So what you've got to do then is, if you're going to continue, you've got to stay focused. You do. You've got to stay focused. We could see different things where he's telling Timothy, 2 Timothy 2, 15, study to show thyself approved unto God a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Uh, let me jump down there. Uh, um, verse 21, if any man, uh, verse 20, But in the great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. Flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart, but foolish and avoid. And, and, and he continues on with this instruction that, he, that he's given to Timothy and the Lord is giving to all of us. If we're going to stay focused, these are some of the things we need to follow. Understand this. The devil will purposely, and right now is a great time for him to do it, put things in your life to steal your focus off of him. He will. He will do whatever he can to steal your focus off of the kingdom of God, which hasn't changed. COVID never affected the kingdom of God. You know that? It hasn't. So look for things that will steal your focus. It it, it doesn't have to always be world circumstance. It can be your pet sin. It can be things that are not even wrong of themselves that steal your focus. Hobbies and careers and on and on and on. Anything that can steal your focus off of God and His kingdom. That's where every day in your prayer time you should be begging God, Lord, help me to stay focused. Help me to stay focused on You. Even I remember I went to P&G. And of course, that, that was—I I think one of, the, one of the reasons why the Lord had called because really I, that was something I pondered greatly because I, Pastor Roach wasn't kidding, and I agree 100%. You can line up a, a bazillion men, I'd be the last one you pick to go to New Guinea. If you know me at all, you know I'd be the last one you would pick to go to New Guinea. I think that's why He did it. I wasn't going to go there for the adventure. I wasn't. Had nothing to do with it. Didn't care. Only time I was going to go there is because God called me. That was it. That was going to be the focus. That was it. Stay focused. Watch for those things that will steal your focus, that will prevent you from continuing. And right now, the devil can use all these different thoughts, and all you know, everything is so down and doom and gloom, and it can just take your focus right away. Stay focused on what's great. Along those lines, I'll help you continue one more thing. Let me, where is it? Let me go back to 1 Timothy, I believe it is. Let me see. Yeah, I don't think that's quite the verse, but that will. It is the same thought I'm going for here. So I think I'll. Uh, let me read this. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, when he's finishing up that epistle, he said this to Timothy Oh, Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust. Keep it. Avoid profane and vain babblings, and oppositions of signs falsely so-called, which some professing have erred concerning the faith. Grace be with thee. Amen. He tells him here, you commit what I've given to you. You hold it. He wants him to continue. He wants him to stay faithful. Avoid these things, profane and vain babblings, and oppositions of signs falsely so-called, these different philosophies that can come out. In other words, what he's telling them, what you have, don't let the devil come and pollute it. He's great at that, isn't he? Great, good sound, good biblical teaching. And he comes and he pollutes it. He gets you to change on it just a little bit. Let me just, let me just dilute these waters a little bit. Let me pollute these waters a little bit for you. He can do that in our day right now, can he? With all the confusion, even churches that are embracing worldliness as a means of evangelism. He's polluting what we know to be right. It's leading to confusion. Avoid it. Once you know something is true, settle on it. Avoid those babblings. Stay faithful to the Lord. I mean, He's great at polluting. So don't let Him use the world's circumstances to dilute what you know and doubt God. That's crazy. And he's great at doing it. I mean, you could think right now. Go to, a, go to a Christian bookstore. You will see so many different versions of the Word of God. My goodness. He likes to dilute, to pollute what has been given. So the devil tries and the devil knows what knowledge you have learned and what you have gained. He has a hierarchy, he knows what he's doing. You better believe he wants to pollute that. Isn't it amazing sometimes how you hear a truth? Maybe you're growing in your faith. And you hear a truth that comes from the pulpit, and, and maybe it's new, and you hear the God's Spirit's working on your heart, and you gain this knowledge now. Isn't it amazing how, how often it is that within that very week, sometimes, all of a sudden, something comes in to pollute it? Do you understand? The spiritual battle is genuine, it's not fake, it's real. Stay away from those things that go against your faith. Be wise to that which is good and simple concerning that which is evil. And lastly, number five, let me finish with this. This one is so important and how we respond in this world. Witness. Tell others about Christ. Witness. Pass out tracts. Give the gospel out. Brother Tim, I appreciate that. You ever see this guy's commercials on the radio? That's why the Lord blesses his business. He tries to throw the gospel in there. He's horrible at it. He gives the wrong references every time. No, he, It's excellent, actually. He doesn't really... I appreciate that. He wants to honor God with that. Witness. Think of what's happening in the world right now. Think if you did not know Christ and you're witnessing all that's taking place, what would you turn to right now? You might be the one with the, be be the meth addict right now. Just wanting to forget everything that's going on in this world. You might be the drunk. You might be the one that's just giving yourself to entertainment, a career, whatever, just to forget everything else that's taking place right now. Do you understand? We are the ones with the answer. It's us. It's not the Mormons. It's not the SDAs. It's, It's not the Catholic Church. We actually have the answer. Listen, the Lord will put people before you. Of course, we go out as well, but I'm telling you, He will put people before you all day. Yes, sir. That want to know. Be that light right now that the world needs. We have the answer. Remember, we are ambassadors for Christ. That's a, that's, that's, that's a high responsibility we have been given. And, and, if, and if we're too busy fretting and worrying about it, we're not going to be the light we need to be. We're not going to be the ambassador we need to be. We represent the greatest kingdom the world has ever or will ever know. One that changeth not. One that no country could possibly invade. We represent the perfect kingdom that this world needs. We are the ambassadors for that kingdom. Because of that, I am citizens, I am a citizen of that kingdom, am I not? That's why I can rejoice and have hope. When you leave today, grass and tracks. Pass them out. Pass them out. Look for opportunities to witness. So what is the Christian response world we live in right now? One, understand this, this is all according to God's plan. What's happening is what's supposed to be happening. We respond in faith. Even in a, just like Noah, in in a wicked and violent world, he still responded by faith, being obedient to God. Show an ark. Have something in your life that others can see their stability. Look what he believes. Look how sound he is during this time. Have that faith. And then another thing that also serves as a tremendous light is that joy. That you still have something you can rejoice in. And we can rejoice in the Lord. He hasn't changed. The same God who saved me in June 30th of 1982 is still in control. And then we are to continue. Don't quit. Stay faithful and witness. With heads bowed and eyes closed. Now, let me ask this first. You need to think about this. If you were to die right now, where would you go? Do you know for certain that heaven is your home? And if you're not sure of that, or you say, I don't think I would go, just stay right there. Let's say you said yes to that question. Why did you say yes? Why? What makes you think that you're going to heaven? What is it? Right now, you're looking at your own life. What makes you think that you're going to get into heaven? Did not Christ say at Judgment Day, there's going to be multitudes. Many shall say to me in that day, wait, wait, Lord, Lord! There's multitudes that are going to be stunned that they're getting ready to get cast into hell. So why? Oh, I've been baptized. Do you understand that, that water doesn't save you? If you are trusted in the act of going down underneath water to wash away your sins, you've been deceived. Baptism is incredibly important, but it is a picture of faith. It is not what saves. But I've been a Christian all my life. Listen to me. Don't get offended. That's completely impossible. Completely impossible. There has to be a point in time of conversion where you recognize how wretched you were and your need of a Savior. But I pray all the time. So did the Pharisees. It's not praying every day that saves you. It is only repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. You will die one day and stand before God and he will judge you. And you have broken his law. Something has to happen to make you look perfect. That's his requirement. And so in order to make you look perfect, you know what he did? He became a man himself. And lived the perfect life for you. He went to that cross. He took all your sin upon Himself. He became sin. That He would give us His righteousness. His perfect life. He died for you. It's repentance and faith in Christ alone. If you're right now, say, Pastor, either I, I, I am not certain that I am saved. I don't know that I would go to heaven. I'm not sure of it. Please pray for me. If that's you, would you raise your hand for me right now? Anybody here like that? I see a couple of small children. That's all I'm seeing. If you put your hand up, I did miss it. I would need you to do it again. All right, Christian. Listen, we live in a chaotic world. The devil, the greatest group right now the devil is working at to try and get to stumble and to question and to fret is us. Because we have the answer. He's in control. He is. The Lord wasn't playing when he said in the last days, perilous times. Shall come. We respond in faith. We rejoice, even in the midst of dark times, we rejoice in the Lord. We continue and we be the light the world needs. If the Lord spoke to your heart, you respond. Father in heaven, bless his invitation, Lord. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet. Turn to page 378, and if you need to come and pray, you come and pray.